Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Spurs in full cry here. Welcome listeners to another episode of the Extra Inch Podcast. My name is Wendy and I'm joined by my psychic and best friend Bardi. Hello Bardi. Hello Wendy. And our tactics guy and joint best friend Nathan A. Clark. <laughs> Hello Nathan. <laughs> Hello Wendy. <laughs> uh, and I said that for a reason. Why did I say that Nathan? Because we had a question that Bardi has failed to include in the running order about, you know, this introduction that... um. Look, I I understand the situation. I'm un, I'm under no illusion, right? I very much arrived second on the scene. I'm not I'm not trying to edge in on best friend, right? But there's clearly multiple tiers of distance between psychic and best friend, and you know, third mic. You're right. You're right. Leave this with me, and uh, <laughs> and we'll sort this out. Um, but I... speaking of the running order, I just have a bone to pick with Bardi. Uh, because bless him you know he he put this together and he's done a great job it's it's excellent but the fonts there's fonts all over the shop what's happening Bardi? um blame twitter because when you copy and paste on twitter things go weird so and I, i didn't have time to sort it out i did everything in 20 minutes man so you know, sometimes it's all about substance. It's not about what it looks like. You could have a, a beautiful footballer who looks great, but if he can't kick the ball, he's useless. So this looks bad, but it's actually really good. It's yeah, it, it's it, like it, the Sissoko running orders. It does look bad though. Like it looks re- like you've got Georgia Ariel Roboto, <laughs> which I didn't even know was a font. You've got bold. You've got italics. I don't Solid. know what's going on here. Um, madness. Anyway, let's talk about football. Um, we played Arsenal. We drew with Arsenal. I'm pretty happy with that result. I, I did not expect anything from this game um, at the start of the day, but we got something. However, having been two up, do we do we have a right to feel disappointed, Bardi? Yeah, I'm kind of like you that I, I was really worried about the game because for the first time, we, we're not going in as favourites and everyone was expecting Arsenal to roll us over and um, we, we got a point and I would have taken a point I would have taken the point before the game, but then obviously we were 2-0 up and we did kind of throw it away. But still, even this morning, hungover, suffering, I'm still happy with the point. And a point away at a top six rival is is still a good point. Sure. Um, Nathan, talking about how Spurs lined up and, and kind of how you felt before the kickoff, what did you make of a lineup, and did you feel optimistic having seen it? Uh, well, my first thought when I saw sort of, when I sort of saw eleven names is that it would be a back three with Sissoko at right wing back, and obviously 
Uh, that's not what we saw, but uh, in in practice, it was really interesting. If you look back at like um, the the games that we've seen, obviously there haven't been many, but the games that we've seen between Pochettino and Emery, um, you get a lot of really interesting um, shape switching up, um, sort of um, the entry level tactics nerdery. Um, they make a really good example for that sort of stuff because you know one of them will start in four two three one, and the other will counter that with a four three three, and the other will switch to a diamond, and so on, uh, and you get those sort of elements um and so in this game we sort of we we changed it up um and i think that pochino left it with the players to change up as they felt fit so we were a 4-4-2 defensively and obviously arsenal forced us into our defensive shape a lot of the time but in attack we mixed it up between every possession so we'd go 4-2-3-1 we'd go to a diamond we had a sort of a brief spell at the beginning with a 4-2-2-2 um uh, players will be switching around as well from in within those various formations. So for our goal, we saw Sun go up top and Kane drop deep into the into the number ten role, and he was able to win a header against Xhaka as a midfielder and, and knock it onto Sun for the goal. You're right, and there were also periods where Sun pulled out wide to the um, to the left and also to the yeah. right. I think at one point Eriksson played in parts from the left, in parts in the middle of Sissoko on the right. So there was a lot of um, a lot of changes. I couldn't keep up with the formation. I, I started off trying to tweet what yeah, we same. were playing or attempting to play, and I basically gave up on that because we were so fluid. Um, it, it wasn't working at first. So Arsenal were playing this three-man midfield, and they had quite a workman-like midfield of um, Genduzi, Xhaka, and... Torreira. Torreira. Um, and, and they were having the better of it, I thought, in the in the opening 10 minutes. And I was very worried for Winks and Sissoko and, and thought they'd be overrun. We then seemed to drop Ericsson sort of into the into the middle to help with con- controlling that midfield. And I thought that that kind of worked. And Spurs had a really good spell in the middle of the first half where we kept picking Arsenal off on the counter and we kept using the right passes to get the counter going and then the final pass would be lacking. Um, but it was really encouraging to see Spurs playing some counter-attacking football again because from my perspective, that's us at our best. We've got such good counter-attacking footballers uh, and, and we need to make the most of that. Son was fantastic in this match, I thought. He really tired at the end and his decision making wasn't always perfect, but his move, his selfless movement off the ball, his willingness to receive it in an area where he knows he's not going to be able to score himself, but he can do damage to the opposition was fantastic. And he was uh, sort of back to some of the old Son levels, which is very pleasing. Um, Let's talk a little bit about that um, lineup in, in more detail, though. Because you, you mentioned there, Nath, that you thought when it came out that Sissoko would be playing in the right wing-back role. Why do you think he wasn't? Why do you think Pochettino elected to start Sanchez at right-back and Sissoko just ahead of Well, him? specifically when you're looking at that 11, if you were to play a back three with Sissoko at wing-back, then the midfield pairing is Winks and Eriksson. And that is an extremely light midfield. And I think that, OK, Arsenal did control the, the midfield that game. They did have the majority of possession and all of that. Um, but I think we would have had a really bad time of it if that was our midfield. So just based purely on that eleven, that makes sense. And I then I think um, if you're choosing between Alderweireld and Sanchez for which which one you want to cover at right back, um, I think basically Sanchez is faster, mm. and it just comes down to that. And I guess Alderweireld is better is the better centre back, sure. so you're sort of having less of a drop off there. Prioritise, yeah. Um, Bardi, you had a question from Loudski on Twitter who says, "Why on earth did Poch persist with Sanchez at right back when clearly he was getting targeted and for good reason?" And it, it is fair to say that you know Arsenal focus a lot of their attack down that side, and Sanchez Definitely. looked hugely uncomfortable. Bardi, why why do you stick with it and not try and change to a back three? I, I I don't know. I think it was like kind of what Nathan was mentioning that you had to keep Sissoko centrally. 
But then we did, someone else did tweet and um, they said, why, what was the sense in doing it when Sissoko was spent most of his time anyway at right wing back doing a kind of um, shepherding role? I, I, don't, I don't know why he does this. I, I think Aurier must have really upset him or he must be really off form. That, that's the only excuse I can think. Because I thought Sanchez did okay, considering that's not his position. And he was better than I thought he was going to be because those first opening four or five minutes, he looked awful. And I thought he was in for a torrid time. He, he did kind of settle a little bit, but I'm not sure. I don't know why Pochettino did that. He must he, be really upset with Aurier. He definitely settled defensively, but um, he was a bit of a nightmare in possession. And he kind of, he, he made it difficult for us to progress the ball forward up that side because they mm-hmm. were scared to give him the ball, knowing that he wouldn't necessarily be able to give it up to another white shirt. Um, so it was problematic from that respect. But, uh, um, but sorry. he was less of a liability than Rose, which is... Which is quite amazing that you would have thought Rose would have been at least a bit more stable, but he wasn't. Yeah, Rose's Rose's form. Um, you know, it's only it's only three games, but he it's four games now. He, it's problematic. Um, his decision making. I mentioned in the last podcast is is concerning me, and it was the same again in this match. So the the booking he took was for a daft moment where he tried to drop drop the shoulder on his own half and beat beat his man, lost the ball, committed a cynical foul, yellow card, and then uh, Pepe seemed to relish going at him multiple times and Rose would stand off him looking a bit nervous you know ultimately he was responsible for potentially both goals it's, it's kind of harsh to blame Rose for for both of them but you know definitely one um do you think Ben Davis might come in Nathan he might I don't think it'll be rushed I I thought Rose was was mostly fine in the first half I agree he struggled more in the second um and I I, I appreciate that that it's definitely not his first poor performance this season um, but I, I'm patient with him. We know the qualities that he does have. I don't know, maybe he's starting to age. Maybe mm. that's simply it. And and th- that's the reason that we were looking to move him on uh, this summer if enough came in for him. Um, yeah, I think Davies, certainly we're going to start getting multiple games in a week and we'll see Davies come in for those odd games. And then if he's outperforming Rose, they'll switch him around. Yeah. Um, but then eventually we'll get Sessegnon into that mix as well. Mm. Yeah, really looking forward to that. I mean, I think... To me, Rose looks unfocused, and I think that's that's um, it's quite an obvious thing to say when you know there's speculation surrounding their their future. So Rose was left behind for the tour, so he could look for a new club. It didn't materialise, but we know that you know perhaps he doesn't really have his heart set on being at Spurs forever. And to me, that just seems to show he doesn't seem like the focused player he once was. He's lackadaisical and and seems to be daydreaming a fair bit. Um, I think Davis is a better player than he's shown in the last eighteen months. He played through an injury a lot uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he comes back in and, and gets placed back but certainly while Sessegnon's uh, adapting to life back at left back um, we'll move on to talking about Sissoko because he had, he had a really interesting game he, at times he was charging forward with the ball looking absolutely unstoppable and then he'd get to the Arsenal penalty <laughs> area and it would all go horribly wrong uh, we had a question from A. Stedman 88 who says how is Sissoko so bad in front of goal uh, there's one particular shot at the end Bardi that he completely sliced and skied but this you know, it's, it's, it's a recurring theme What's, what goes wrong when Sissoko gets in front of goal I think the only person that can stop Sissoko is, is Sissoko because he, he's he's that impressive charging forwards and breaking lines and causing chaos but then he just gets into the area and I don't know he his his, his feet stop working because he could easily have won it and there was um he could easily have won that game at least hit the target or worked the goalkeeper and I think there was one in the first half as well where the ball came to him in a promising position just outside the area and he he skied it again um 
I just think had that been Endombele, I think the game, I think we might have won that match. And I think Sissoko is an impressive player. And the reason why he gets a lot of praise is because what he does is so obvious. You know, it's, it doesn't take, um, doesn't take an analytical genius to see what he does well. But unfortunately, he's just not got that. He's not got that edge to make him a top, top tier, top three team um, midfielder. Yeah, I, I really hadn't thought about it that way before. But I think you've, I think you've struck gold there. I think you're spot on. Um, that yeah, like when he does something good, it's pretty obvious because he's running with the ball at his feet and it looks really impressive. To me, and this might just be me being overly negative, it's what he doesn't do that that concerns me. And I, I'm just not a big Sissoko fan. I know, I know he's our cult hero. Hmm. I know he tried his tried his bollocks off last year and had some really good games, but he's not for me. He's not my cup of tea in midfield, certainly not in midfield too. And Nathan, you tweeted about Sissoko yesterday. <laughs> yeah, so I mentioned the sort of tendency for Spurs fans to pass him the ball, um, especially, or you know, I, I tweeted it immediately after that last attack of the game. Um, because we had a chance to to win it there at the at the, at the last second in you know dramatic uh, what has become a recent thing for Spurs uh, fashion and and yeah so I tweeted that that Spurs players always pass in the ball on counter attacks and I had a lot of replies saying well it's it's because he's able to make those runs because he has that level of fitness and he and he arrives late and that's absolutely true and people also said it's because other teams leave him unmarked because they know he can't do anything <laughs> and I think that that's true as well. Um, but I still think, like, if you look at that particular incident, okay, so Kane is uh, is carrying the ball over a wide left. Delhi is central. I think it's Ericsson on the far right, or it could be Lamella. Um, and then Sissoko arrives late through the centre as well. And yes, he's the fastest moving player. Yes, he's got the most energy. Yes, he catches your eye if you're Kane and you're looking for that pass. But I think if he passes to Delhi there, as Sissoko is making that run and dragging a player away, that's a goal. I think that Spurs players need to specifically drill into their own minds <laughs> If you're in the final thirds, there is just no benefit to passing Sissoko in the ball. And, and I don't want to, I don't want to like get overly negative on Sissoko here. Like he did a lot of really good things for us specifically in this game, but also over the last 18 months. But he just has this limitation and we need to adapt. To yeah. It. Sissoko is a bit like um, Dwayne Johnson. He's, you know, he's, he's <laughs> here we go. Here he's, we go. He's popcorn. Give me he's, some popcorn. He's popcorn. He's big blockbuster you know what you're going to get you're going to have a great old time watching him but you're not going to get the nuances you're not going to get the depth of character you would of someone I don't know like an Al Pacino or De Niro like that and I think I think that's the problem he catches your attention you're focused on him you love him but you know you know you know exactly where it's going to end you know you know how the movie ends you know what I'm I'm a I'm a massive fan of the rock so I'm going to say he's more of a Nicolas Cage (laughs) Oh, and Nicolas Cage is excellent as well. Uh, Nicolas Cage has depth, man. Have you? Yeah, he has depth. Have you not seen Face Off? I, I like Face Off, but um, I do think Nicolas Cage is overrated as well. So it kind of ties in with my opinion on Sissoko. Um, his midfield partner, I thought, was excellent. Harry Winks. Um, he, I described his performance as um, I think I described it as workmanlike on Twitter. I mean, I kind of corrected myself because it was far more than that. Winks was not only everywhere, but there was a lot of quality there. And when some of our players were um, a bit frantic and not quite sure what to do and when, Winks was kind of putting his foot on the ball, taking a moment to assess and finding the right pass. His bit of play for the penalty that Son won from Xhaka, and oh my god, what a ridiculous tackle that was. Uh, that was a lovely piece of skill from Winks, followed by a really good pick out. Um, why do you think he suddenly looked better, Nathan? 
I don't. I think that he was similarly good against City mm. as well. And I think that those bigger games suit him. Mm. Um, I've got an article I need to write, a scout, a non-Tottenham one uh, over the next week. But after that, it'll be international break. And I, um, I'm i going to try and do a little focus in on, on Winks and his game and his, his strengths and his weaknesses and, and go into a little bit more detail. But I, I do think it's very interesting that a player of his type, which is sort of this... Um, creative passing number six is is better in the big games than he is against defensive sides yeah and i think that might change when we've got a fully fit squad just just in terms of who who partners him in midfield um because i i don't think it's all on winks in those uh those games not at yeah, all I, I i think yeah the, the right blend is yet to be found in in certain matches basically I'd be really interested to read that article. I think uh, there's a lot to say on Wink. Um, but, I mean, it was really nice to see him getting stuck in as well. He he made so many more tackles. I mean, I think he made more tackles than the rest of our players combined in that in that game. Um, and he loves playing against Arsenal. He, he was really pumped for it and, and he played very, very well. I think one of the reasons that he might have looked better is because Ericsson was back in the team. And wasn't that just a delight? Uh, we finally had someone who could pass the ball in a kind of uh, cerebral way appreciating the movement and um and the next pass really and, and it made such a difference to our counter-attacking uh Bardi how relieved are you to see Ericsson back in the fold yeah it, it was great and as you said it helped um take some of the pressure of Winks being being the guy that's meant to create stuff I thought Winks had an excellent game he was um determined he got around the pitch got stuck in and passed very wisely as well and um yeah him and him and Ericsson had a had a good game this game also saw the return of Jan Vertonghen, which I think when we saw the lineup, it was a it was a relief. Um, there was a bit of ring rust, though, Nate. Yeah, maybe a little. Uh, he was was imperfect for for Lacazette's goal, but um, there was also a, a, a point later in the game where we had been attacking and Arsenal broke on the counter and it was like a 3v3 and he made a vital interception mm. um, but again we're talking about a player who we know what his qualities are we're just glad to have him back in the team I'll tell you who else is really glad and really relieved is Pochettino because post-match in various different um, press situations he's been talking about how happy he is suddenly after weeks of, of, of misery he referred to it as, as his worst period of time at Tottenham the last couple of weeks and that uh, now he wants to throw a party with the window closing in two hours after we're recording now um and that positivity is very infectious i'm i'm in such a good mood because he's in such a good mood and i don't know if it's just that ericsson is staying one more year does that really warrant that level of of celebration do you think that the reason vertonghen wasn't in the team because he was at risk of going too? because vertonghen's come out and he said that i was fit i played pre-season i was fit i was ready to go it was tactical and um as the tactics guy, I'll tell you that that's bollocks. Mm. <laughs> that's absolute nonsense. So there's clearly stuff going on. I think that I think that it's possible that all three Ajax boys were at risk of going up until the last couple of days, um, and now they're not. And now we've got a special squad on our hands. We've got another what four or five months of them at least, and and that's a lovely thing. Uh, I, I I suspect we'll try and tie them all down to contracts. And I also suspect that that won't quite work out that way. But it, I mean, if we can get one of them tied down to another yeah. couple of years, then that's the result at this point. Um, there was an interesting tweet from Grace Robertson on Twitter. Uh, Grace is a Liverpool fan, but said, uh, one, Harry, Ka- Harry Kane dived yesterday. Two, there is nothing wrong with diving. And sometimes he would have won that and thus the game. Uh, Bardi, what did you make of the penalty incident? Uh, it, it was a penalty. Um, Kane 
maybe made the most of it. Well, he did make the most of it, but he also invited the challenge and Socrates was stupid enough to go through the back of someone in the penalty area while they're running towards the touchline. It, it's a penalty and I, I don't know why it wasn't given and VAR probably should have overturned the referee's decision. But as we keep seeing with VAR, they seem very reluctant to change um, to change a referee's decision unless it's a totally clear and obvious miss on or of, a, of an offence. I was watching it with my other half's dad, who is a Liverpool fan, and he said that he felt that if Kane hadn't exaggerated the fall so much, it would have been given. Yeah, and I think I think yeah. I agree with that take. I uh, think he, I he, think he, so. He kind well. of he arched his back as he went down, and and that never looks good. Um, but um, there were two hands on his back. It's for me that is a pretty clear cut penalty again that we've been denied. I feel like we've had a bit of misfortune with some of these calls. I mean, the the, the for in my opinion, the worst one was um, Ceballos on uh, Delhi just after Delhi had come on, where he wrestled him to the ground on the edge of the box going into the penalty area. So that should have been given as a penalty. Uh, and they didn't even check VAR for it. I don't can know I, what was going on there. I just want to make a note on Ceballos. You can see why, you can see really why we wanted to uh, buy that player. Because yeah, definitely. He, he's, he's got feet on him. He's got vision. He's got a bit of strength. And he's got something about him, that, that young man. But we had our own uh, new midfielder who, who caught my eye, and that was Giovanni Lo Celso. I thought he had a lovely cameo. I, I was really impressed um, with his calmness in possession. He kind of What I liked about him is he didn't rush forward. He moved upfield with the play uh, and just was kind of in the right spot at the right time. Uh, Nathan, what did you make of Lo Celso's little cameo? Yeah, similar to you, I you know I I he tried one bit of skill where he won a foul. Uh, it was really lovely, quick feet. Um, I, I'm just I'm ready to see more of him now. I'm I'm ready for him to start either starting games or or coming on at sixty minutes or, on a, on a regular basis. Mm. And I'm also hoping because mostly or maybe entirely, I think he's played in off the right. Um, and I would like to see him play in central midfield at some point. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. I saw him in the Copa play wide, and he's he's a good player wide, but I think he I think he belongs centrally. He's sort of being like Lamella two at the moment for us, and and we've already got Lamella. Where, who would you leave out to play him in the middle? Well, this is the complicated question, and this is something I'm going to sort of go into a little bit of detail once the window closes in two hours. <laughs> Essentially, um, either the Ndombele and Lo Celso double pivot functions work for the majority of situations in which case we are able to fit in all of um, desk or that doesn't work as a duo or we need winks to start games we need winks behind the two of them together in which case one of those attacking players has to to miss out with the Celso playing um, in a forward role as well um, and then it's a matter of can you play with two playmakers in Ericsson and Lacelso and leave Sun on the bench, or do you need Sun's pace? In which place, what are we benching Ericsson, even though we were desperate to keep huh. him for one more year? Are we benching our sixty million pounds new signing that we just brought in? Are we benching Delhi? I don't know. I don't think so. It's complicated. Um, I think if we can get that double pivot to work, it will be a shame for Winks because I'd, I'd love to see him get more game time. We've been talking about his positives. Um, but if we can make those work as a duo and start four near dedicated attacking players at the same time, that's a hell of a lineup. I mean, the good thing is we have a lot of players who suffer with chronic injuries. We have a lot of <laughs> muscular injuries. That's true. We'll never see him. And, you know, this allows Winks' ankles to take a break and, and not play every game. Pretend, if we can get a, if we can get a, a midfield that's working where you have the Celso and, and Dombele in, as a pivot, then that helps a lot because it means Winks doesn't have to play every week. 
which can only be a good thing for his body. Um, True. And likewise, Son looked absolutely shattered at the end of last season, so he shouldn't be playing every game. He should be playing like three quarters of the games, for example. And if he, yeah, well, he won't be playing twenty games for Korea this season. <laughs> that's very true. Yeah, that's that's also a good point. Um, but the, the rotation is a good thing, in in my opinion, and having more options is absolutely no bad thing. I do think, though, you kind of need to know your best best eleven. Well, especially if you keep making it to Champions League finals. Mm. Sure. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Interesting point. Uh, Jonathan Wilson in The Guardian said, In the declining years of Arsene Wenger's reign, Tottenham always outlasted Arsenal. Not anymore. Here, it was Arsenal who looked the fresher in the closing stage. Is it just me? Or, I mean, I disagree with that massively. Bardi, what what did you think of that statement? Yeah, uh, Jonathan Wilson has had it in for us all season so far. I'm a a huge (laughs) fan, but he's been saying some funny stuff. Uh, And I disagree with it. Yes, there were certain individuals that looked a bit leggy, um, Sun and Rose especially, but... I think had the game gone 10 minutes more, we would have won clearly because we were, we were the more potent on the counter attack. We had attacking players who were still charging around. Sissoko, uh, Winks, they had La Celso and, um, Kane were still, they were still going at it full throttle. So it's, it's an easy thing to say, but then there's also comments that Pochettino's double training at the moment that he's putting the players through to kind of make them stronger at the end of the season is having a detrimental effect on our team. I, I do feel like this is a narrative thing that this is what people want to see but we soaked yeah. up a hell of a lot of pressure in that second half and don't don't get me wrong I was not happy with the way we were defending for like 20-30 minutes of the second half but we came on so strong at the end and Bardi you said it before we um, started recording if the game had been 10 minutes longer then we'd have won we, we were really in the ascendancy when um, full time came we had a couple of good breakaways but not just that we were the ones making the intelligent passes Arsenal were rushing things and wasting opportunities whereas we were taking our time to pick the right path and we came really close to winning it at the death so I don't I don't agree with Wilson there um and I, like you I am a big fan of his work um I, I've not kept up with what he's been up to this year but if you say he's got it in for us then I, I trust you um I did notice as well that on the Totally Football show uh they had Tom Williams on and uh Matt Davis is it Matt Davis Adams and they were both very negative about Spurs's performance which I found quite surprising because for me this was like a bit of a return to form and maybe it's because as Spurs fans who were kind of so 
um, you know, we're, we're so close to the club in terms of how much we watch, how much we analyse, how much we talk about it. We've kind of been getting quite depressed <laughs> in these opening few games. And then in our last podcast, we were trying to put a positive spin on things. And maybe so this is perhaps, maybe maybe it's our own biases coming out and we, we want to see good things. So we're seeing good things. But I don't know. I feel like the media are being a little harsh after this performance. Nathan, do you, what, what are your thoughts? I think that we set up in the smart way, given the context, which is that we were away uh, at the Emirates and we were playing with last season's midfield. And I think that we matched them on both the scoreline and on expected goals. I think that we uh, utilised a very clever counter-attacking game in the first half and it sort of slipped away in the second half. Um, I think that that is more tactical than it is about fitness. Uh, although the defending side's genuinely tends to exhaust more than the possession side um but i'm not worried about our fitness at all um and i think that there's a look a win would have been better but there's a lot of there's a lot more positive to take from that game it's never nice to allow arsenal to have more of the ball than you and given the trajectory of the two clubs over the last five years you'd love the idea of sort of punishing them every time you see them but that's not going to be the reality of the situation and and they're at Um, home i'm I'm, they're at home they've got all their new signings fit they're kind of they're in a better squad position than we are at the moment that's it that's it i'm happy are you happy i'm really happy i think if that game is played in two months time then we win yeah i've got i've I've genuinely i know we've beaten them once in the last god knows how many years at the emirates but i really feel like we're better than them now and that was arsenal i i feel like that was the best they could do and we still drew with them um with like a million injuries with with God knows how many right backs missing. Um, Davinson Sanchez filling in in a position he's never played in in his life before. And we look fine and better than fine at the end. Um, Harlow C says, "What did you think of Lamella's performance? But did you have any thoughts on how Lamella did in this game?" I thought he did okay. He, um, I mean, that was the worst right-footed shot that I, I, <laughs> I, we know he's like severely one-footed what, for, for the goal. Yeah, that was tame as yeah, anything. So, so. Works yeah, yeah, no, seriously, I thought, when I first saw that, I was like, that is the softest goalkeeping error. <laughs> but when you see it from the reverse <laughs> angle, it actually does, like, come at quite a tricky angle, so I didn't think it was that awful. I reckon I, I, I would have saved it and probably held that. It, it, I mean, but he hit, he worked the goalkeeper, which yeah. is something that Sissoko doesn't do, so <laughs> yeah. it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. He worked the goalkeeper, he forced him into save, and, you know, we got the rebound. And I thought he... he he was quite involved when Kane hit the post. He was involved down there as well. He was, you know, he was tenacious. He um, he was good most of the time. He was good on the ball. He worked the, the tight space as well. And you know, he was good. He was um, solid Lamella, which is which is what we want to see more. Of. I really liked his uh, movement on the counter as well. Like mm. just pulling out pulling out wide at just the right moment, ready to receive a pass or, or not, or just to drag a defender away. And that was nice. That was kind of Lamella rolling back the years a little bit. Um, I enjoyed that. Uh, it's, it's, it, it, if only he was a little bit faster. I know, I know. He's become so slow. If only he was a little bit faster. Yeah, you're right. He's still got the speed of thought, but his his legs can't quite do it in time. I mean, if his um, if his legs don't completely fall off, he'll he'll still be playing <laughs> yeah. football at 38, 39 in Argentina. He will now become a defensive midfielder, like a you could see him in a deep line playmaker role. 
just kind of beating uh, beating the press and laying the ball off. And I, I can see he's still got his legs and his his brain, but yeah, he's got no speed. He's such a funny player, Lamella, because he's so different to what we thought we were getting with him. I mean, if you if you just track his Spurs career, it is actually quite insane. He, he was brought in as Gareth Bale's replacement, uh, mm-hmm. and he was a nippy winger who can, who got loads of goals, loads of assists. And he's just not like that now at all. He's he's like he's like he's like a defensive forward who who creates stuff with chaos and with limbs and elbows. It's it's so weird what he's become. But I kind of love him. I do really love him, and I love how much he hates Arsenal. It's great to see him in the derby game. Um, another question from Clement nine five two who says, "Do you think Serge still has a future at Tottenham? Will KWP become the main right back season?" Um, if I take that one first. So Aurier hadn't played a minute of pre-season. He hadn't played a minute of, uh, of games in, in the main season yet. So I wasn't surprised to see him on the bench rather than starting, particularly given the fact that he's been linked with various other clubs, including AC Milan. Um, and I think Walker Peters has absolutely cemented his place now as, as first choice right back. But with him injured, if, if, if he's not back straight after the international break, I think Aurier will come in. I don't think the Sanchez experiment will, uh, will get a second run out and I think Aurier will get a game what I'd prefer to see if Aurier is to stay I'd prefer to see him play a few games for the under-23s who as it happens are struggling at fullback at the moment uh, for various reasons um, get him fit that way give him give him games with them get him match sharp and then we have a player who can who can come in and rotate with Walker Peters uh, what do you think Nathan has he got a future what I would do with Serge Aurier is tell him to f*** <laughs> with Aurier <laughs> Oh my god. Does he get a place in your Champions League squad? He doesn't get a place in any squads. I, I would refuse to even write his name on any relevant documentation. I, I thought Pochettino was harsh, but this is next level. Uh, is he is he also eating in the youth player canteen? <laughs> no, he has to, he has he has to, to forage go to Tesco. On the train. <laughs> yeah, that's it. We've got a wooded area, I think. <laughs> good, good luck out there, Serge. Give your training kit back. I mean, surely he's going to go in the next window. I again we've got an hour 45 minutes I haven't checked the Twitter while I've been on the podcast hopefully he's already gone and we don't know it yet PSG have signed Icardi so um Dibble has come into Spurs in January that's some ITK it's a lock yeah I love it I love it are there any other players you want to talk about that we've not touched on yet yeah, I'd, I'd like to give a shout out to Hugo. I thought he played great. He made some cracking saves, kept us in the game. There was a few times during his um, goal kicks with um, Toby and Jan that gave me heart palpitations. Uh, but I thought he had a great game and it's lovely to see him in a bit of form again. What, what did you make of those short passes out from the back, Nathan? Um, yeah, the sort of the two centre-backs right next to the keeper as a sort of a passing system. Uh, certainly Arsenal gave us trouble with that. Uh, that So that change in the rule, I mean, I could talk for an hour about the, the, the new setup. Um, it's it's a dramatic change. It's it's a, it's not like a novelty rule. It it really um is going to change how we build play and 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 how teams press from goal kicks as well. Um, it will be really interesting to see what sort of becomes the norm, what sort of becomes the trend. I I think I mean I need to look at the exact wording of the rule as to where players can stand, but I I think that we're probably going to start to see um an exaggeration of <laughs> what is referred to as um. Oh god, no! I'm not even going to try and say it. Um, but essentially, the defensive midfielder dropping in. I think we might sort of see Harry Winks standing a yard away from Larice with the centre backs out on the touchline and sort of interesting stuff like that. Um, but before that, I think we'll see a lot of um, 
interesting twists and techniques and shapes on on how to pass out from the back. And I also think sometimes um, he'll pass it two yards to Toby Alderweireld, who will then in turn punt it way up the pitch. So my my take on this in this particular game was that Hugo was giving the centre backs kitten. And so they they stood closer and closer and closer because they were panicking. But oh, see that. You know, I've seen takes that we were using that system to suck Arsenal players onto us, and then enabling us to play a yeah, long ball. Yeah. Uh, which we had a bit of success with the long balls. You know, for the for the opening goal, for example. Um, it's true. I, I genuinely thought from Alderweireld's body language, he just didn't want to be too far away from Hugo. There were a couple of times where he sold a pass too short out from the back. And Arsenal had a player on rushing. Vertonghen had a couple as well where he underhit a pass and it nearly went to an Arsenal player pretty much in our own box. And we need to work on that. We really need to, on the training ground, do some serious work on how we progress the ball when Hugo has the ball. Because that's going to be a huge facet for all, all of the big teams who play out from the back and, and don't just try and lump the ball forward. That's going to be a, a big change to be, become accustomed to. And we did not seem to have it down in this match. It, I'm, I'm absolutely in favour of playing out from the back. I'd rather see that than, you know, long balls. Um, but I did not feel confident with uh, Larissa's distribution. I mean, basically the first time we tried to play long from the back, you put it straight out for a throw. Um, so, so yes, going short seems to be a better option, but not with Adderald basically sat on him. It made no sense. Made no sense at all to me. And it, maybe it's hampered by the fact that Sanchez was playing at right back as well, and that's kind of one less pass, one less passing option anyway. Um, I don't know. Uh, what do you make of Harry Kane, Barney? I thought Kane was good. He was back to being more of a number nine. I know he did drop into um into the into the space occasionally, but I I think Kane when he focuses on being a striker rather than trying to do everything himself is when we get Pete Kane and I was very happy with that, him. For me, that was his best performance of the season by a way, despite the fact that he scored two goals against Villa. And I think it's no surprise that that came with Lucas not on the pitch. Is that fair, Nate? Um I possibly. I think that that's something that we need to to look at over a great period of time. Um, yeah, I, I do think that sort of the, the single striker set up probably... I, he's an interesting... Because if you think of him as sort of like a number nine, who's also a number 10, um, and he thrives when he plays in either of those situations, why doesn't he thrive when he plays as one of two yeah. strikers in a sort of between the role situation but maybe that's just the maybe that's just the intricate details of his strengths and weaknesses i don't know we need to see to, i need to see more to be sure and, and the weird thing is he's linked so 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 well with delhi in the past but i think that says a yeah. lot about delhi and and he is uh, such an underappreciated 100%. player in terms of his movement um uh, I think there are two facets to this. I think it's the, the most simplistic one is Lucas takes up Kane's space. And I think there is definitely some truth in that. But I also think it's a mindset thing. I think when he's the guy doing all the hold up play and making all the runs, he's focused on doing all the hold up play and making all of the runs. When Lucas is there to do that, Kane kind of doesn't know what to do. And, and I think mm. this game showed him at his best. I mean, he wasn't perfect. He's, he's not back into his best form um, yet, but he was doing all the all the right Harry Kane things. And that was a great sign, in my opinion. I'm very optimistic about what Kane's going to do this year. I think he's going to refine that form of uh, 12 months ago. I'm, I'm, I'm very hopeful. I love him. I love him too. I absolutely adore him. That penalty was just perfection. He, he doesn't just find the corner. He finds a side netting and it's every time and it's ridiculous. He used to be bad at penalties. He missed a penalty in his debut for the club, I think. And also, like, 
I remember watching him miss. I was in the crowds behind the keeper for a penalty miss early on when he was sort of breaking through, maybe under Sherwood. Um, yeah, he and then his next few, he scored them, but they were sort of a bit dodgy and scuffed and possibly savable. And now every time he takes a penalty, you're just you're so confident and he hits them in a way that, that you couldn't save him, that even if you knew exactly where he was going to place it, good luck. Yeah, he missed against Hearts in, uh, in the Europa League. Yeah. He also missed against West Ham when the, the win when Winks scored but he did actually get the rebound so we let him off but it's just it's just such an easy thing for them to practice because you're going to get seven seven to eight penalties and it's just if it's seven to eight guaranteed goals as long and all it is is technique and practice and practice and and that's what we know about Kane is that he he, the way he shoots it's all about um, refining his technique and repetition penalties Sorry, yeah, and no, and the shot that hit the post was incredible. Oh, I mean, it was. oh man, he shouldn't have taken that on, but then he got such a—he's got his foot right across the ball that it, it was a shame it didn't go in because it was—it would have been a great derby goal. Just then, that was just pure technique. Yeah, it was the the fade he got on that. Oh god, yeah. I really the, the the move as well was just glorious. I really wanted that goal to go in in so many ways. Um, and the thing about penalties, Kane makes penalties look so much easier than they actually are. Penalties are hard. You know, there's probably, a, I don't know what the yeah. XG is in a penalty, probably 0.75 or something. 0.7, yeah. They are not easy, and Kane, I mean, Kane's XG in penalties must be a lot higher than that, let's put it that way. It's, yeah, he's a very, very, very accomplished penalty taker, one of the best I've ever seen, um, and long may that continue. Um, boys, it's been a joy to talk about uh, some happy Spurs things, and I think we're going to the international break with a lot of positivity and optimism, which is which is nice. Come on, you Spurs. You've been listening to The Extra Inch. Thanks to Nathan A. Clark for production. Thanks to Bardi for being Italian. Thanks to Adam Gardner for the artwork. Thanks to David Lindner for our intro music. You can find him on Twitter at Davy Shambles and his SoundCloud D Lindner. Do check him out. He's great. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Extra Inch. Email us via podcast at theextrainch.co.ca and subscribe via your usual podcast platforms. And if you do enjoy the podcast, consider leaving us a rating and review. That would really help. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.